your sister from another mister, home here in the UK, here to ask you where on earth is three-wheeling? Get it back on, gals, please. I need it for all my running needs. Much love. dancing already we are back by some demand i think it's fair to say i would there has say been some demand i don't think we can say it's considerable oh well i was gonna say it's definitely popular demand because popular doesn't necessarily mean many it just means enthusiasm <laughs> in a small bunch and so i think we can definitely say that we're back by popular demand we appreciate it. We're here for it. I've loved people asking me, when are we next going to record? And here we are. I'm going to call this season four. I think that's what we're up to. I think it's us in succession where we're in the same um, kind of, what do I say? Like opus? Same magnum opus. <laughs> I don't think that's a phrase. I don't think it's a phrase at all. And I'm fishing desperately and your face was just, just quietly looking at me like well where's she gonna go what's she gonna I say you, Sasha. where's she going yeah. <laughs> where's she going you anyway rescue me. maybe i should introduce maybe rescue me but i'll introduce us maybe that's what i should do here we are we're back season four mm-hmm. three wheeling the podcast where we talk about the things we've been enjoying recently and also making friends in our 30s i'm laurel henning a sydney-based journalist and i'm with my good friend sasha kelly down the line from melbourne Melbourne-based podcast producer extraordinaire and also panellist on the future of classical music. Can we just discuss that briefly for a hot minute, shall we? What were you doing last night with Lee Sales, Sasha Kelly? (laughs) I love how you're just throwing me in the deep end. Yeah, I um, met Lee Sales last night and uh, so I was uh, a panellist for MSO Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. They did a talk on the future of classical music uh, for International Women's Day. And so they had uh, four women who work or work around the arts or have one foot in the arts and one foot outside. I'm definitely of the latter camp um, talking about, uh, yeah, the industry at large. And I think anytime you're up, I mean, I used to feel this way when I was a producer at Classic and I was working with John Humphreys and Bill Turnbull, who are other massive names I'm dropping on the floor. Um, anytime you're working with someone who's a broadcaster of that caliber, it's kind of terrifying. I was going to say for our sort of, I know there is a British contingent of listeners. I would, I would equate Lee Sales to like Fiona Bruce. Okay. Okay. I feel like she's our, she's Australia's answer to Fiona Bruce. Yes. And, and there's just this, always this pressure of like, don't say like, don't say, um, don't say something stupid. (laughs) And I did have a few tongue-tied moments um, and there was one particular, it's actually online so I can put it in the show notes if anyone's curious or watching it. And you should. (laughs) I'm definitely not going to watch it again. I lived it the first time and that was enough for me. Um, But there was one moment when Lee kind of just said a statement. Lee. Lee. Um, She said a statement and didn't, it, it wasn't a question. And then she just went, Sasha? And I went, I just I thought there was gonna be more to the like my brain just went completely blank I just didn't have anything to say so that was my only kind of um moment that I went oh god but I think I um somewhat rescued it but uh look I'm not going to I'm not gonna watch the replay and and pick it apart 
But I will. Not picking a part, but I'll enjoy <laughs> You jumped in on that so well. It. Too soon, too soon. But I'm glad that I mentioned it as well up top because it, it's a nice little little nugget, just dangling that little nugget there for my listening. Yay! Which we'll get to okay. later. But in the meantime, I mean, it's been a while since we spoke. I know. On mic. We do speak regularly off mic. I know, Christmas. it's just, we just closed our conversation just before Christmas and then went, right, well, I'll talk to you in March. That's it. <laughs> Three months <laughs> off Happy talking to you. Happy New Year. Happy Christmas. All that jazz. Bye. Uh, no, so, we do talk regularly. <laughs> <laughs> But have you been making any new friends in the first couple of months of the year? I have actually. Uh, I had a friend who moved to London at the end of last year and she has a friend. You know, friends abound. Um, And at her going away party, uh, we'd we'd met a couple of times at – Megan, I'm going to say Megan. Hi, Megan. I know she's a listener too. Um, Is this Megan of the poetry Yes. Yes, and this is Megan's friend who I met at the poetry event and then I re-met her or like reconnected with her and Megan's going away. And let us all remember the green coat. Oh the green coat. And if you coat. don't know what we're talking about, oh, go at back the and funeral to that when friends. everyone was wearing black and I was wearing green. Anyway, um <laughs> my sartorial choice is coming through once again. Um so her friend, um, and, and actually at this event, they also do live drawing. And we both said that we were really interested in doing live drawing. And so swapped numbers at, just before Christmas. And I said, I'm going away and, you know, yada, yada, beginning of the year, slow to get going. But we followed up and booked and went. And we ended up going on um, Valentine's Day. <laughs> absolutely delightful which we only realized afterwards but then um kind of had a chat about it and went this will be really fun let's go see if we can see some first dates or early dates on valentine's (gasps) day yeah but did you uh not so much actually it actually turned out that it was quite a serious life drawing class and there were some real artists there um which i thought was thrilling um there were it was at a pub and so there were some kind of early dates I suspect at the pub, but um, no one who was clearly on like a first date or an, an awkward one. Everyone seemed pretty loved up. Um, but also the life drawing class was Cupid themed, so it was because um, I've only really done it done life drawing when they're completely butt naked and you're just drawing them. But um, she was uh, really beautifully dressed up as naked Cupid. And so she had these nice. wings on and this little um, bow and arrow with a love heart <laughs> and <laughs> and this really vibrant wig. And so I just, at first I went, oh, this is a bit tacky. And then it was just really fun. <laughs> so I actually had the greatest time. Um, and so, and Ellie, who joined me, we, yeah, we said we're going to go back and do it again. So at the moment, ceramics has taken precedent and I've been doing ceramics on the Tuesday night, but um, when ceramics term is finished, we're going to go back and do a couple more classes. How about you? What, how have you been making friends? You may note an absence of plane noise in the background because I've moved. I thought you were going to talk about that. You've moved locales. Do you know that means that you've been in three different locations while we've been broadcasting, broadcasting, while we've been making this podcast? That's true, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
lockdown location, Marrickville. These are the days yeah. of your lives, Laurel. <sighs> let's okay. just have a Sorry. moment for that. <laughs> let's let's forge ahead. How have you been making friends? Um, no, but I just want to say also that I'm, I feel like it's going to be quite echoey. So forgive me while okay. I'm figuring out how I mm-hmm. record mm-hmm. while in the new place. I don't know that I have some new friend making to report, but I wanted to do like a full circle of friend making and the podcast and all its glory because I've spoken on numerous occasions about the wonders of book club and the joys of friendship that book club has brought me. Well, Mm -hmm. thank you, Vincent from book club. Mm -hmm. He Mm -hmm. had recommended on two occasions, one where I was actually present and one where I wasn't our podcast oh and so I feel like the influence of book club on our podcast and then the presence of the podcast in book club has become full circle and I'm just very grateful and I think that's very lovely and uh yeah hi Vincent if you're listening and thank you for the recommendation oh it's a real figure eight moment the infinity circle has closed between book club (laughs) between book club and the podcast oh so there it is where would we like to begin well, I'm I feel curious. like there could be a lot that we've been consuming, but I'm not sure. Yeah, there's a a lot, a lot that I've been consuming. <laughs> um, sorry, that sounded so like where will we begin, Laurel? Um, a lot. I think we should go with your listening because I think you um, plugged it rather nicely. Thank you, thank you very much. Well, mm. I sent Sasha. One of my various voice notes that I send Sasha on a daily basis almost. Mm -hmm. A request, Mm -hmm. dear listener, for music to work to that specifically was not Ludovico Einaudi. And can you just also give a little little explainer of who that is for anyone who potentially doesn't know? I think that would be good. Oh, Einaudi. How would you describe him to someone who doesn't know? Uh, I would say that he is quite populist minimalism, which he's he was a big favorite on Classic FM when I was working there. He's Italian. I think he's in his late 60s. It's really lovely music, but it's not particularly mm. uh, artistically challenging. And I would dare say, I know definitely when we were at Classic, we didn't play it regularly because you kind of tire it's really nice and then you tire of it kind of quickly yeah I don't think Mm. I would now listen to it outside of background music to work to yes background piano to work to if you go I reckon if you go to like many background piano music the peaceful piano playlist he'll be there yeah he'll be right there that's where he hangs out on Spotify So I said to Sasha, Mm. what I need is something kind of in that vein, because that is what I like to work to, but specifically not that, because I want to broaden my horizons. (laughs) And Sasha just really, she took that task. Mm, And friends, mm. she ran with it. She ran with it. And so here we go. She, where are my highlights? Here are my highlights. Highlights from Sasha's recommendations are, I can't say these words. The, The track, I think specifically, is spelt B-Y-L-U-R. I'm going to call it B-Y-L-U-R. By Edis Evenson. Checks out to me. I don't say these things out loud. I just listen to them and save them. We just send the links. We just send the links. Don't have to say anything. Edis Evenson. But then there was a playlist. The playlist is entitled Equal Mm. on Spotify. Mm. Also, I realized that I'm just like, this is a full Spotify recommendation, I have to say, because that is how I consume my music. So if you don't have Spotify, I'm sorry. 
but maybe this kind of playlist exists elsewhere or at least start with the artist that I've mentioned there Mm -hmm. and that will be a good way in but it was just so yeah it was all stuff I hadn't heard before um and really eye-opening I would also say that Megan Bursal am I saying her name right from classic she's on ABC classic yes she? she is yes how am I saying her surname? I think it's Burslem. Burslem. Yeah. She's on her Instagram. She's brilliant at being mm. like, if you like Mozart or Bach, mm. listen to these many fe- various female composers or composers that you may have never heard of or um, all of this kind of stuff. And I really like that as well. So that's another good way to sort of broaden the horizons, as I was saying before, with arm movements and everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Sasha, what have you been listening to? Oh, well, I'm going to go in the complete opposite direction. And I feel like yeah, I feel like there's been a couple of podcasts that I have discovered lately, but I cannot remember what they are. But, so, I'm not going to talk about them. <laughs> this is, I've listened to podcasts. This is, <laughs> I can't remember what they are. I'm not going to talk about it. So anyway. It's chaos tonight. I'm so sorry. I'm absolute chaos tonight. Um, Miley Cyrus. I have discovered reinvigorated just I'm just in love with her I think she's brilliant I love her voice um I have been listening to specifically her live album which Mm. is Attention Miley Live on Spotify it is she has the most amazing mashup of We Can't Stop that classic pop hit of hers but with Where Is My Mind by the Pixies and I'm just obsessed. Ooh. She's got the most... This ex- is definitely going to be on my playlist for tomorrow. I can just feel I, it. I just love it. And it's got all her live covers. It's got her live covers of Jolene and Like a Prayer. Mm. And Edge of Midnight, that's the other one that's brilliant. She's just got... It's just great. And I've just got it on repeat at the moment. And the other one is that I went with my brother and his fiance to Sting. Oh, hello. I did send you a lot of messages about this the next day. I got thirsty for Sting, my gosh. I, I think he's a really sexy man. <laughs> <laughs> and my response to this was, it's the yoga and the tantric sex vibe, Sasha, that's why. <laughs> no, it's the, it's the bass and the Madonna mic. He doesn't sing with an actual mic and he has like, and? he has a Madonna mic on and he's just got this, Po- this poise and he walks around with this giant bass and you and it big bass energy oh such bass energy and I just went I never I've gone and seen a lot of things in my time and I've always been like yeah yeah that they're cool I can imagine how they were very good looking when they were younger sting you don't have to imagine he still looks good today I'm so sorry, Mum. I know Mum listens to this and she's hey, going to be do you, know what, do you know what else, though? I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep going knowing that your mum is listening to this. The other thing that you really pointed out, and I was going to say went hard on, what I mean is you went in on, like, into detail on. Do you hear me? I think it's getting warm in here. Um, with the tiny T-shirts that he wears. He does. Well, okay, so this, I'm going to say... You were like, it's the bass. This is no, this was, and it's the women's t-shirt. This is something that Doug, Claire, and I talked about afterwards. Because Doug went, "Where does he get his t-shirts from? I've never, I've never tried on a t-shirt that looks like that on me." And Claire went, 
I think they're women's t-shirts because of the cap sleeve. So this was actually a discussion between all three of us in great detail. I don't know whether I'm making this. his t-shirts. I don't know whether I'm making this any better or it's making it worse. But yeah, I I do fancy Sting. That's that's basically the the button. That's on the this. great realization of February 2023 for Sasha Kelly. She fancy Sting. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And there it is. Yeah. Um, so what have you been reading, Laurel? <laughs> <laughs> my reading, do you know, I think my reading might be my shortest little segment wow. this, okay. this episode, which I know is a shock to everyone. It's a I'm shock a to me. Reading... Sorry. I'm in a very different reading vibe, shall we say, for okay. 2023. So having pursued and successfully, may I say, completed my goal of 52 books in 2022. I'm giving you air applause because it's inappropriate to give you applause on a podcast, but um, I'm Thank clapping so away. Thank you for doing to, podca- to, to podcast etiquette, which I can never do. Nay, podcast etiquette. Gosh. We're not having... We're, we're three months off and words are not our friends. High standards. Wow. Anyway, mm. I achieved that goal, but I think it made me... I was proud of myself, but then I also felt like, actually, it wouldn't have mattered if I'd missed it at all. Like, really, at the end of the day, it's po- it's a pointless, arbitrary goal that I've placed on myself. I was glad to achieve, but did it really matter? I don't know. Instead, what it probably made me realise is Mm. it's really important to enjoy what you read. Mm. And I think because I read a lot of books for book clubs Mm. sometimes, and I think I'm just into 2023, I'm trying to be pickier about what I'm reading, even among those book clubs. Sometimes I'm not going to go every month. (laughs) News, (laughs) Claxon. Or what, what, you know, I'm just going to pick and choose a bit more. And if I'm not reading something, though I did need people of Instagram to tell me that this was okay to do, I'm going to put it down. I was just about to ask. Oh, I was just about to ask you, are you a determined finisher of books? Or is this a new new thing? Life's too short to read a bad book. I have been in the past. Life is too short to read a book that I don't enjoy. Because clearly, it's apparently a good book. It tops every classic coming of age list. And then when I went and listened to a podcast after we discussed it in book club, I thought, oh, actually, I think I've missed a few key points here and maybe I was too harsh. But I also didn't enjoy it and I'm not going to pick it back up, even with that knowledge. Is this Catcher in in the Rye? rye. Mm. But what have Mm. I read that I have enjoyed? I've recently reread Shirley Jackson, also I rarely reread, Shirley Jackson's We Have Always Lived in the Castle, which is like Mm -hmm. this classic, modern, gothic... Mm-hmm. sumptuousness that I can't really tell you very much about if you've never read it because it would spoil it mm-hmm. but basically you know from the beginning the main character is like hello I am <laughs> I am what's her name Mary something but her sister calls her Mary Cat mm-hmm. and my entire family is dead apart from my sister basically and you're like oh okay and so there's like intrigue suspense straight from the beginning they're isolated from the rest of the village and she goes out every day or not every day once a week to do the like grocery shopping her sister stays indoors and never sees anyone um and yeah and then the whole of the book ensues and you sort of slowly find Mm. out more and more of the puzzles pieced together as to what actually happened and it's brilliant 
And it's also quite okay. a quick read. For a classic, it's a quick read as well, which I always think is for our modern attention span, quite a nice little compliment. But yeah, Shirley Jackson's We've Always Lived in the Castle. If you enjoy a gothic read, if you're thinking about reading a bit of classic literature in 2023, why not have a little foray into some Shirley Jackson? So if you're a a Wuthering, is it gothic in the sense of Wuthering Heights? If you're a Wuthering Heights fan, will you enjoy it? Um, Gothic in the sense of the, yeah, it sits within the genre of like isolation um, but not in terms of like forbidden incest, passionate love of Wuthering Heights. No, I wouldn't say so. And it's set in like, it's set, it's more recently written and set more recently, mm. much more recently okay. than Wuthering Heights. Okay. But in terms of uh, darkness, death, mystery, all of the like tropes are there for it to sit within mm. the Gothic genre, I believe, though I'm like struggling to recall my English literature degree as I'm saying all of this. But um Yes. What have you been reading recently, Sasha? Do you know what, Laurel? Anything at after? All? Yes. Sorry, that was that wasn't meant to sound as spicy as it no. Came out to and do you know Anything what? That was how I was going to intro. Is that after basically the whole of twenty twenty two, being like, I'm going to read more. I'm going to read more. I never read. Um, that's exactly how my voice sounds too. I am aware. Uh, I read a lot over the summer holidays. I read six books. Oh wow! Yeah. And I felt very proud of myself. And my highlights. <laughs> and not at all smug. <laughs> this is a very smug person. Smug talking. in 2023. So smug. <laughs> um, particular highlights were I read The Bronze Horseman, which is obviously a really old, older book. Really enjoyed it. Um, felt very 90s dynasty. Uh, I, do you know it? No. The Bronze Horseman, it's it's a cover that when you see it, you'll go, oh, that book. You see it on everyone's bookshelves. Um, It's set in um, Lenin's – sorry, I'm going to get this wrong. It's set in um, World War II in um, St. Petersburg in the siege. Uh, Okay. Great. Sounds like my Oh, it's um, very – detailed romantic scenes um lots of like war it's very war and peace if it was in in world war Two. um i was really shocked after finishing it that it hasn't been made into a movie because it has all of the kind of tropes that i would assume an oscar campaign would love like um the siege obviously with the famine and lots of like destitute scenes there and then like the war scenes because he's a war hero and he goes off and then a period of you know happiness where everyone's just so in love and everything's working out um big grand russian kind of declarations of majesty and it just really enjoyed it if it's been on your list for a long time very much recommend reading it um and then i read still life at long last after carrying it around for young, I hope you loved and it. I loved it. Okay, I you. loved it. I thought it was so beautifully written. I kind of demolished it, and then afterwards went, "I need to read it again because I think I went mm. too fast because I was just enjoying mm. spending time with them so much that I just kind of churned through it." Um, my mum said because she'd read it that she noticed or and a few people in her book club started slowing down because they didn't want to get to the end and so I do I did feel as well. like I kind of 
um, went the opposite direction and therefore will get more on a second reading. I still think about those characters and it's like two years since yeah, I read that book. I think I'm definitely going to explore more of her books and and kind of go from there. And can I also just say I've discovered, so my mo- local library is embarrassingly close to me and I've discovered the power, this is going to sound really dim, Laurel, but have you discovered libraries? I, well, I knew libraries existed. I've discovered um, reserving books. <laughs> oh, yeah. They deliver them to your door. And then they send you an – well, not to your door, but, like, it's – my library is very, very close. And they send me okay. an email and they say, your book's there. And yeah. then I'll just go – I yeah. usually take a lunch break. It's about three blocks from me. I'll walk around, pick up a book and come home. And I go, oh, gosh, that's nice. And it's really – and it feels like a gift. I don't know why, but the reservation system makes your books feel like It's a so gift. brilliant. I've gone through and I've reserved a lot of books, but so many of them have really, I've, like I've put down for the Anna Wintour biography because I've heard that's brilliant. There's a couple though nice. that I'm, you know, number 50 or something. I'm not sure I'm going to get there anytime soon, yeah. but I'm hoping some other people um, drop off the list. But yeah, libraries, who knew? Watching. 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 Do you know what? I've, I'm going to be – I was thinking about what I would recommend or what I would say. And I'm going to revisit a conversation that we've already had extensively over WhatsApp. Is this what you were thinking? No, too? I've noted it down and I'm glad you're going to talk about it because I think it's well worth the mention. Okay. I'm going to actually talk about something else. So let's go in now on what you're about to mention. I want to talk about Tar. Because we've sent so many voice notes. I loved it. I loved Tar so much. I still, I'm still thinking about it. And I think I saw it a good four weeks ago almost. A couple of elements in particular. So these are spoilers if you haven't seen it yet. I am going to talk as if you've seen it. I loved that you never saw her abuse really take place on screen. The only thing that you really saw her do on screen is be highly manipulative And so I thought that that was such a powerful use of perspective because it's then understandable about why she couldn't understand her demise because in her eyes and in her recollection, all she's ever done is kind of fight for her love of music and get things. And and she definitely behaved in a way that I wouldn't feel comfortable behaving. Um, But you could see that she doesn't really feel like she's ever crossed a line. And then I also think uh, perhaps the most controversially because there was a lot of negative criticism about it being about her being a female conductor when it's definitely not an industry that has um, equal representation of men and women. I thought it was more powerful for that because because we do live in a patriarchal society Mm. and we do find it difficult to see certain character traits when a woman does them versus a man and so I'm not necessarily arguing that that's right but I do think that's the society that we live in and we all to a certain extent see gender Um, and so I do think that it is more shocking to people and it is more powerful because you do examine your own bias after watching it and thinking why is that more powerful than if it was a man um and so I I don't necessarily say and and that's the way it should be as the follow-up sentence it's more the power of seeing something unexpected Mm -hmm. 
and it's unexpected because that's just simply not the case there aren't as many female she kind of operates in a world where she talks as if the glass ceiling has been broken um which is just definitely not the case so Mm. I also just thought it was such an interesting commentary on the industry um or or any industry where there are power imbalances because it is such an open secret that she is abusive it only falls apart when it suits the industry to abandon her and until that point that they protected her. And I think for me, the most insider comment on that is at one point she's in um, Placido Domingo's change room and the there's kind of a poltergeisty kind of like a, an invisible person watching her who texts and says she thinks it's ironic. And he's someone who has had a lot of negative press for kind of, uh, for want of a better word, like a Me Too um, moment. Um, but has protected his career in certain countries. So he's no longer hired in America and England, but still works extensively in Europe and South America. And so I thought that was an interesting kind of inside baseball, even though, you know, you Google it and it, and it comes up pretty quickly. Gosh, no, I loved it. And I think there was a bit made as well of like, I think people, I guess, more with your experience, Sasha, of like, oh, is this part believable of classical music representation? Is this part not believable? And is her conducting sort of um, credible and all that kind of stuff? But I think that's for, I think that's missing the point that this could, this film could have been made in any Mm. high uh, pressure power environment. And actually, I think it was really interesting to see it in the classical music world rather than another movie set in Hollywood let's say or the theatre or I don't know a chef's kitchen for instance or something like that I I thought it was brilliant and I loved the theatricality of it and I loved the the pacing the way the pacing changed so the the very first scene almost of, of that lecture that she's giving is really long it's like I think it's almost 20 minutes and you're just following her around the lecture theatre or auditorium giving this um very interesting argument about separating the art from the artist when you don't uh, feel comfortable or identify with or relate to an artist from decades gone by probably Mm. and then as her situation unravels or perhaps winds in around her more closely the pace of the film gets faster and faster and faster until at the end there are some changes that happen so quickly that you're almost confused as to what's happening and not until that final reveal when Mm. she's doing that final performance that you're like oh okay now we understand and how you know how the mighty fall and all of that kind of stuff Um, and I yeah I thought it was great I had so many thoughts coming out of it I thought Kate Blanchett was absolutely brilliant like she carries <clears throat> I mean there's brilliant acting in it but she really carries that film I think um Mm-mm. yeah I don't think you could have made that film with a lesser actor no it just wouldn't work and I think um sorry I will move off it in a second but I think the other point is that that scene where she's in the lecture theater and although she kind of oversteps the mark and embarrasses the student you I certainly bought into what she was saying and like really liked her presentation Mm. of that argument. And so it is this kind of question of, um, you know, how much the 
the art or the cult of genius and the cult of someone who is so performative by nature. Mm. It's kind of where do their beliefs end and where do their like the behavior versus the words they say as well. I just thought it was so cleverly done where you buy in and you're supportive of her and then gradually bit by bit you're you're realizing what a manipulative and narcissistic personality she is and there are so many questions at play in that scene in terms of the questions raised by what she's saying the questions raised by how she's approaching the student generally Mm -hmm. the question raised by how massively edited and taken out of context some of the stuff that she says is is taken when the video is actually made the fact that a video is made and she says there aren't meant to be videos in that room, which questions both ways on whether that's appropriate or mm-hmm. not. It, I think that's what I thought was so good about it. It just there were so many different perspectives at play constantly through mm. what was actually a very simple film. Yeah, yeah, that really car- is really again carried by one actress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I could talk. I honestly, I think that's the other part of why I loved it so much. I could talk about it mm. forever. And we I should link as well so to the there. podcast that you really enjoyed on it, I think, as well. We are recording peak awards season. I have yes. also just watched. So we've watched Tar. That's in that's in the running yeah. for lots of things. But last night I went to see another film that's like in the awards chatter circles. Drum roll, please. With two friends of mine based on a book by someone called Miriam Toes. The film is Women Talking. <gasps> oh, okay. I have I have lent hardcore into podcast land about this, but I haven't seen it and I haven't right. read it. The cast for this film, yes. first of all. Very good. Oh my goodness. Frances McDormand, Jesse Butler, Claire Foyle. Rooney Ma, is it Rooney uh, Mara? Rooney Mara, yeah, that's who I was like, yeah. where's her name gone? Yeah. It's gone from my head. All of these people. And they are just part of an ensemble cast that is amazing. This film is about, and the book is about... Have you read the book? I haven't, but I I really want to because I think a lot of the dialogue of this film was taken directly from the book. And I have to say, and the two people that I went to see this with, we all came out with so much to reflect on from Mm. the dialogue specifically. I want to highlight it with the book to note down some of the things that were being said in the discussion that was had, and I'll I'll get to that in a second, but it starts from a premise of something that did actually happen. So in around late, early 2000s, 2010, a group of Mennonite women in Bolivia discovered that the source of what they had termed, I think it was ghost rapes in their community, which had been happening throughout the early 2000s. Also, this is a really grim discussion that I'm about to get into. So if you are feeling sensitive, move away from, put your headphones down, walk away from the podcast. We'll see you next month. It's fine. We love you. Thanks. Goodbye. I didn't realize it was so recent as that. It was. Yeah. Well, also, I think because you're seeing Mennonite women and because of how they live Mm. in this sort of away from the modern world uh, Mm. manner it's it's really hard to know what time period you're in but yeah someone comes in the film someone comes to do the 2015 census during during it all oh, wow. and it's really bizarre like this clash of time frames coming together in terms of yeah. how they live and how the world actually is outside so the women discover that the source of these ghost rapes that have been happening to grandmothers in the community mothers and children of an incredibly young age um 
So they've been basically waking up and finding like bruises and dirt finger marks on themselves. There's blood on the sheets. There's semen on the sheets. They can't remember anything. They don't know what's happened. Basically, they were drugged with a cow tranquilizer by men in their community and raped by them over a period of like a long period of years. And that's where the uh, the real events stop. And then from there, it's imagined events by Miriam Tells from the book so what she then imagines is that these women come together and they have a vote on how to respond to these events that some of the men have been taken off to jail and they're going to be I think some of them are going to be released and they have to decide whether to stay in the community and forgive these men whether to leave or whether to stay and fight And so they decide to vote on it. And the vote is tied between uh, staying and fighting and leaving. And then the the whole film, which is actually only an hour and 40 minutes or something, but the whole film, um, again, to to go on a theatrical tangent, is this group of women from three different families who are chosen to decide to break the vote, basically. And so they sit over the course of, I think it's really just one and a half maybe two days it's not a full two days that they're having this discussion and they're trying to decide what to do and when they begin one woman Frances McDormand immediately leaves with her children because she's like we have to forgive them otherwise we won't enter the kingdom of heaven we have to forgive them and so she leaves she leaves the group of women discussing this and then there are two families really of women that are left and some of them really want to fight and some of them start talking about leaving and creating their own community and it's how they make Mm. that decision but the converse in and amongst this there's one man who's um taking the minutes Mm. of their conversation played by ben wishall beloved ben wishall and it the reflections that they have the way they explore different perspectives and points of view of victimhood of blame of patriarchal structure of what it is to forgive what is true forgiveness what if some forgiveness is actually permission is a i think almost like a line from mm. the from the film is so fascinating and it's not it could so easily be a heavy-handed allegory for modern society and the patriarchal structures that we're all constrained by but it doesn't feel like that and it is moving but it is not also you never see i should point out you never see any of the assault you see some of the Mm. women from as if you're above them in their bedrooms like high above on the ceiling you see them afterwards so like they might be lying with like some Mm. blood on them or something like that so it's not it's not a nice image but that's all you see and I Mm. think that's really important too the fact that you never actually see the assault happen Mm. I think that's a really interesting choice that they've made and that was interesting hearing other women and it was a predominantly female audience in this cinema come out and say I've heard so many people say that they won't go and see it because of the subject matter because it's just too heavy and I thought isn't that interesting when literally all okay and that is an experience that will will really have a profound effect on people but I think that's really interesting when you think that among awards films I imagine it's getting a lot less attention than, let's say, All Quiet on the Western Front. And yeah, I would say that the violence in All Quiet on the Western Front is so Mm -hmm. much more in your face and so much harder to watch. And this is actually just this deeply meditative, 
um, film and really interesting. It just it's just so thought provoking and it's so well done, um, and it's beautiful. Mm. And I just I just absolutely loved it. Yeah, and we all sort of left wishing that we'd made notes on the on the conversations. And I think it should be made into a play. I really do because it was so beautifully set up for a play sort of this group of women sitting around and having these conversations and then also like moments of random levity as well so it was just really well written um like that but yeah I really Mm. I really loved it and I'd really recommend people go and see it oh that's so good to hear because I think I'd listen to a couple of and I'm gonna caveat this with um a couple of male hosted podcasts Mm. in the film world who didn't think it was as successful as it could have been but I think from what you've said, that's enticed me to go see it. And and yeah. I think like um I think sometimes things might not be what you want them to be cinematically, but if they're thought provoking and interesting, that's worthwhile considering. And and I've got to say that one of the podcasts I will defend them in the sense that they'd read the book and were such big fans of the book that they didn't like the film. And I think sometimes it's really exciting when you get to see it the mm. other way around because you really enjoy it for what it is and then you get to go deep, like you get to go even deep deeper. dive into the book. My friend Heather had read the book first and she still really enjoyed the film, I have to say. So Okay, great. Well, you've convinced me, so I'm I definitely going to go watch it. Okay, well, I think, I think we've made Yay. it through and it's been a chaotic think time but it's been a great time it's good to be back it's good to be back behind the mic it's so good to be back here we are season four <laughs> yeah season four let's have it so our main place of hanging out is instagram it really is say. slide into our dms come say hi come and say hi we're at three wheeling pod that's us right <laughs> that is us and you can also email us we are three wheeling pod at gmail.com but as we say instagram is really where we hang out so come and slide into our dms yes. there we'd love to hear from yes. you and sasha makes these glorious tiles which just yes. summarize what we've been talking about and yeah we'll be seeing you soon we've got no idea how regularly we'll be seeing you this year but we'll be we seeing will you, see soon. you we think we're gonna be semi-regular but like we've got things happening and but that's not to say that we don't want to hang out with you. So we'll definitely. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm going to stop might, talking. It just. I think you know. It might just look more like a monthly yes. rather than a two weekly thing. And even then, I can't tell you how exact that time's going to be. No. But it's going to happen. But what I will say, Laurel, is two, 2023 is going to be an amazing year. I'm feeling really good I about think, it. I think it is. Yeah. I think it is. Some big things have happened I already. Know. You know, the house move. Yeah, I'm going overseas. The first time since COVID. Wowzers. Yeah. yeah. Let's get it. Let's get excited. All right. Well, I think that's enough. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.